Welcome in to the Blitz and Buckets podcast after, once again, another long separation between episodes. We are back. I think I think I looked at it today. I think it was exactly a month. But Jaden, welcome back, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. I've uh, gotten pretty entrenched into this internship that I got going on right now. And that's, I could say that's probably a pretty big reason why we've been so lackadaisical about the podcast recently. And, um, but for any of those of you that don't know and are curious, I'm working for the Frederick Keys right now, who used to be a minor league team for the Orioles, but now they're a, uh, a part of the MLB draft league, which is like a G league for the baseball, for major league baseball now. So it's a developmental league for college guys trying to boost their draft stock. So it's been pretty fun. It's been a lot of fun. But first step on a long road to sports media stardom, you know, hopefully, hopefully. And the Blitz and Buckets is already doing a lot of that, you know. It's all the building blocks. So with that, let's get into what we're going to be talking today. And we're going to be talking about some football, more specifically the NFC we are hopping into the NFC today. We've been doing AFC outlooks for each division, but specifically, even more specifically, we are getting into the NFC North today, which is one of the more historic divisions in football. I mean, don't you feel that's true? I feel like every Thanksgiving we have an NFC North matchup. So, well, anyway, Lions play every year. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, we get Lions Packers, like Lions Packers. I was I was pissed that we didn't get Lions Packers this year on Thanksgiving. Like I feel like that's just I was a, pissed we didn't get Raven Steelers. Yeah, that's all that was, that probably would have been more fun. But Lions Packers, I feel like I just remember Lions Packers like always on Thanksgiving. And it didn't happen this year. It was like a I mean we didn't really uh, we didn't really miss anything, I felt like, with that, but you know, it's traditions. You gotta hold up traditions. But as I talk about the Detroit Lions, let's get talking about them as a team as a whole. They finished 5-11 and 11 in 2020, which doesn't take an expert to say that's not too hot. But let's get into some of the highlights. Let's hop into some of the good to start off. And I will start with the rookie, DeAndre Swift, running back, having a great year out of the gate. Finished with over 100 carries. 521 yards and eight touchdowns. But I feel like a lot of that not so – I mean, eight touchdowns is pretty impressive. And 521 yards, I mean, that's also pretty impressive too. But a lot of his work was vultured by Adrian Peterson last year, who had more than 150 carries and he had seven touchdowns. But he's gone in 2021. He's not coming back. So I think we see an emergence from DeAndre Swift this year. Do you think – well, I'll just leave it to you. What do you think? What do you got for DeAndre Swift this year? I think he's going to be a very high volume producer because they do have one of the top lines in the league with uh, Rag now, and you had sort of that. Right. And uh, Taylor Decker. But I think he's going to be a very high production guy, very high volume. He's going to get a lot of, lot of carries. He's going to be a very good fantasy guy to have 
you know, probably a, oh, yeah. a little bit of a sleeper because not only not anybody coming out of Detroit is being talked about at all. I think he's a top ten so, back in fantasy this year, hundred percent. He could be, yeah. I just I don't think he's going to be drafted that way, but I think that he could be. Yeah, I think he deserves to be drafted that way. I think, I think he'll probably go in the first four rounds once once enough mocks are done and once enough has information is gathered for this year in fantasy, I feel like he'll settle as a top four round pick, but we'll be doing, we'll be doing a fantasy outlook episode, multiple episodes, potentially. Oh yeah. Involving fantasy stuff. Just throwing that out there. And once we start the season, I mean, it's gangbusters. We'll be talking about fantasy all the time. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah. And on the fantasy episode, I imagine we'll talk about stuff like, ADP and like who you should be like it'll be fun I'm looking forward to that episode Mm -hmm. actually yeah so anyway let's move on to some of the more good things that happened in Detroit Lions this year and one of those is TJ Hawkinson I remember specifically a conversation we had about TJ Hawkinson it wasn't this past year was it it was it was the year before this it was the year before last Right. And I sold you Hawkinson for nickels on the dollar. I feel hey, I got, I feel like I got a serious return in the trade. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I think you got Ertz. And then I flipped or I don't know. I, think it was I remember looking back at that and being like, that felt good. I don't know if I had Zach Ertz on my team. Anyway, TJ Hawkinson didn't have that great of a year when you traded for him, but He's finally coming into form now. Finished with 67 catches, 723 yards, and six touchdowns. And out of the four players with more than 50 targets in 2020 on the Detroit Lions, he is the only returner. And that is a list that includes DeAndre Swift, if you would believe that. But that just goes to show you how dismal that Detroit was last season as far as receiving goes. But... The good also, I mean, I'm not really, I'm not going to get into these guys at all because they're not on the team anymore, but Matt Stafford had a great year and Marvin Jones had led the team in receiving in the absence of Kenny Galladay. So they both had solid years, but they're not lines anymore. So we're not going to talk about them. Let's get into the bad for the Detroit side. And let's start with, I mean, it's the only bad that I have and it's pretty horrendous. The defense. It was statistically the worst defense in 2020, allowing the most yards in the NFL. They're bottom five in rushing and passing yards allowed, but the pieces are in progress. They got Romeo Aquara, who finished with 10 sacks last year, and he's only 26. They signed him to an extension, and you got Okuda there, third pick in the 2020 draft. Do you see the defense from the Lions looking up next year, or do you think it'll be a lot more of the same? any worse than the worst defense in the league but i they take they took okuda last year to try and address that defense because they knew it wasn't the best group and he did not show up at all he had injury problems on the field he He didn't even play very well they just they just he played like 13 games they don't have a lot of guys there right they don't have a lot of guys there that you want to be excited about i know they took a defensive tackle Pretty sure it was on Wuzurike, but I'm blanking on it. So, you know, maybe that helps them a little bit, but they've got a lot of work to do on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. Right, exactly. Pretty dismal 
as one of our favorite signature words on the podcast, or at least mine. They've been pretty dismal, especially in 2020. But let's get into the free agency and offseason stuff, which is a lot more significant. And we'll start with the head coaching change. They ended up firing Matt Patricia, and who obviously was – he was defensive – yeah. He was a defensive coordinator in New England and huge hire when it came out, but obviously did not work very well for Detroit. So they fired Matt Patricia and they hired Dan Campbell, who you could say is a culture change, <laughs> a little bit of a culture yeah. change there. Pretty serious. Uh, Michael Brockers, who just ended up getting there, the, the, the veteran in the locker room, he was speaking to the media. I just saw this earlier when I was doing my notes for the pod. And um, he said to the media that a lot of the teammates he was talking to said that it was a very, very welcome change because Matt Patricia is a very quiet, quiet guy. And they needed some energy in the locker room. And a lot of guys are happy with what Dan Campbell's bringing. And I'd be happy with it too. Geez, after that, after that introductory press conference will go down in history, 100%. But let's get into the more bigger stuff from their offseason. And, well, stuff, the one thing that's bigger, the huge thing from this offseason is relating to the Detroit Lions. It is the Matthew Stafford trade, which was huge. Matt Stafford has been – I think a good word for it is stuck in Detroit for all of his career, ever since he was drafted out of USC. And he had a great career. And there have been quarterbacks among quarterbacks, including Aaron Rodgers, that have said, talent-wise, he is one of the best in the league. And he always has been. He's just been stuck in Detroit where he can't do anything. But anyway, we have talked about a little bit the Stafford trade on a past episode, so we don't have to dive into the effects and stuff like that. But the Lions traded Stafford to the Rams for Jared Goff, a 2021 third-round pick, and a 2022 and 23 first-round pick. So Goff, in 2020, finished with a mediocre 3,952 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. So I ask you, good sir, do you think Jared Goff, the former number one overall pick in the NFL draft, can revive his career in Detroit? No. No? I, I don't – I just – I don't think he has any elite traits. Yeah. I think he was just – he's just a good – okay quarterback to have if you've got a great team around him you know maybe you can do something with that but he doesn't have the biggest arm he's not you know the most creative when outside of you know outside of can we cut this i'm blanking on the word pocket not pocket just it's p but it's not pocket (laughs) hmm p word it's not P, it's structure, structure. That's what I meant to say. Structure. Okay. There you go. Yes. Structure. Ah, structure. Yes. Structure. Yes. I'm keeping okay. this in. <laughs> Please don't keep this in. <laughs> keep going, though. Okay. Doesn't have the biggest arm. He's not the greatest at working outside of structure. So when you have a team around him, like the Lions have, I guess, placed him in, 
with now Kenny Galladay's gone, it's just not the greatest for somebody that usually has everything drawn up for him and has, you know, all these great weapons and stuff around him to allow him to succeed. Now he has to do it himself. And, you know, maybe he does, you know, revitalize his career and make a name for himself, not being more or less McVay's puppet anymore. And he can, you know, be one of the top guys and I don't know, maybe lead them to six wins, but I I don't really see it. I don't like golf. Yeah. I mean, I watched him in that, in the most memorable, most recent, most memorable experience that I've had with Jared Goff is when he played Seattle and it just, it looked terrible. Like he didn't look like a quarterback at all. Like it was horrendous, but some of that was due to the, I think he broke his finger, right? Or he had surgery on his finger Something like that. He had yeah. some kind of injury that he was busted up a little bit, but I mean, there wasn't a lot of faith for Jared Goff before then. And to his credit, he was injured for, I don't know how, when he sustained that injury, but he looked terrible in the Seattle game. I don't know how much that was due to the finger, but he looked terrible and he's just put mediocre numbers up in LA. And like you said, Detroit looks even worse, a lot worse on paper as far as the offense goes this coming year. They ended up losing the majority, like like I said, the only guy returning with more than 50 targets last year is TJ Hawkinson. So good luck. (laughs) But yeah, let's get, let's dive into some of these notable losses that we just alluded to. And to start off the list, Kenny Galladay, who... I've always been a huge fan of Kelly Galladay. I stashed him on my bench for a lot of this year in one of my leagues. And um, just because I thought he was eventually going to come back from injury and do great because Kenny Galladay is a really solid receiver. But he ended up going to New York for a four-year, $72 million deal. And I think a healthy Kenny Galladay is a dangerous Kenny Galladay. So I think good things are coming in New York with him but we'll get into that in a future episode for the Giants but they also lost Marvin Jones their leading receiver last year who ended up going to Jacksonville on a two-year 12 million dollar deal they lost Adrian Peterson running back obviously Danny Amendola one of their leading receivers last year believe it or not uh, he is also out of there. Both those guys have yet to sign contracts because they're approximately 145 years old. And they also, I also want to mention this. I wrote it down and I want to mention it. Matt Prater is also headed out of Detroit on a two-year, $6 million deal to Arizona. Hats oh, off to no. Matt Prater. Hats off to Matt Prater though, man. He's had a great, he's had a great career. He has. I feel like yeah. it, the kickers need to have their day. Like I, re- I saw Matt Prater's name on the list of departures for the Lions, and I was like, I really want to mention it because as much of a little impact it's going to make on Detroit's season, God, hats, off to, hats off to Matt Prater. Get in that bag, you know? Going to Arizona, six, six and a half million dollars. Pretty sweet. Go Matt Prater. What, anyway. Wait, what happened, to Zane, what happened to Zane Gonzalez? In Arizona? I don't know. He was like question. the best kicker in the league two years yeah. ago. That's the way I had. That's how it is with kickers, dude. Like you could be the best kicker, and then 
get booted. We, we gotta have a kickers episode. Just yeah, dude. Best DM, DM every kicker in the league because I mean they don't have they don't have this platform. We can get them on our show. They've right. never been on a podcast before. Right, exactly. They've got no media attention whatsoever. They don't know how to talk to the media because they've never we could be their first experience. Kickers kickers convention. Kickers like kickers conference. 30 kickers. (laughs) Blitz and Buckets hosted kickers conference. (laughs) The kickers meet the kicker conference. Kickers Media Day. (laughs) Good lord. We just have like 30 guys in here and they all talk about their experiences. They're all they all start out by this is this is really weird. I've never spoken to a microphone before. Never, never done this before. Unless you're unless you're Adam Benatari, you don't talk. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Blah, 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 blah. Let's get into the notable ads for the Detroit Lions. And as far as notable, notable is a strong word because these were pretty low-key signings, if I say so myself. You start off with Jamal Williams, running back from Green Bay, signing a two-year, $6 million deal in Detroit. He had his flashes in Green Bay when Aaron Jones was out or injured. or I mean, he was obviously the backup. and But he got some, he got some work. And, I mean, he showed flashes. But I don't see him getting much of an opportunity in Detroit. I feel like it'll be a lot of the same that he had in Green Bay. So... I mean, but if that's the kind of production they're looking for, that's pretty solid production. And they also added Tyrell Williams, wide receiver out of Las Vegas, on a one-year, $4 million deal. And they add Brashad Perryman, the journeyman, wide receiver out of New York, for one year, $2.5 million. And these two guys, believe it or not, will be headlining the wide receiver core this year. Hooray. Yay, Detroit. But let's get let's get into some. We got to give him some credit for this number seven pick in the draft, and with the number seven pick, they end up going Penny Sewell, the arguably the best prospect in the draft outside of Trevor Lawrence, Our offensive tackle out of Oregon. What are your thoughts? Uh, I I mean, if you could, when he falls to seven, you've got to be like jumping up and down because he was arguably the best prospect outside of Trevor Lawrence. And if you get to get him at seven, you don't have to move up or anything. That's great. Obviously you guys are still a lot of great picks away from being a contender, but this is a great place to start. I was, we were talking about it before the show and I didn't really think about this when we were doing the AFC West with the chargers, but I just don't understand why once Sewell makes it past the Bengals who you thought, okay, well, for sure, if he's there for the Bengals, they're going to take him. And then if the Dolphins, which think the same thing, once he makes it past them and he gets to Detroit, why do the Chargers not call and make a very good offer to the Lions to try and get Sewell and get Herbert's left tackle when you know you need a left tackle? And the Lions are obviously a long way away, so give us picks to move up here and we'll take Slater. I, I didn't really – I mean, there may have been a call but I just thought it was interesting how nobody ever heard about it. But as maybe for Lions, they thought enough of, maybe yeah. they thought enough of Slater that they feel like yeah. they didn't have to give up that much capital for Sewell. But what were you saying? Just as for the Lions, I do think that this is, they're just improving on their strength. And this is something that Dan Campbell is, you know, very adamant about is winning the trenches. And 
that whole thing. So it's a great place to start. <laughs> that whole vibe he's got going, that serious no. vibe that he's got going on in Detroit. <laughs> the serious yeah. empathetic drive. But they already, as you mentioned, great pick. They added to an already really solid offensive line, 13th best finishing 2020, according to PFF. And they joined the promising Pete or he joins the promising pieces already in place. Uh, they got Frank, Frank Ragnow, as you mentioned earlier, the guard and Taylor Decker, the tackle. So with that ceiling floor, Detroit Lions hit it. Oh man. Ah, floor <laughs> one win floor is one win the ceiling is five four they're bad dude they're really yeah. bad the yeah, only I... team that's worse than them in the league is the texans without deshaun watson they are horrible yeah and it's like so, you can't really point to like, like one yeah like ceilings like what five is that what you said? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> something dismal. Something terrible. <laughs> something extremely dismal. But, no, I totally agree. Like, I mean, you want to point to something good for them. And the only good that I can think of, and I mentioned it off the top of the podcast, it's DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. That's about as good as it gets in Detroit. And it's and- like – and the offensive line, but they're, you know, they yeah. can only do so much without anyone worthy behind them. Right. Exactly. But you try to point to the, like, you can't really point to the offensive receiving weapons because they lost all of them. And you can't point to the defense because it was the worst in the league last year. And they didn't they really no additions to it. <laughs> yeah. Didn't really do much to fix that. So, yeah, I, I'll go with you. I, I'll be, I, I guess I'll be a little bit more generous and say that the floor is around two, like around two, because that just looks better. So generous. And I would say that the ceiling, seven wins. That's the uh, that's the ceiling. I had, like, there's no way they get the eight wins. There's no way. Seven. Yeah. Jared Goff think- would have to be like Jesus Christ. All right. Well, let's just roll right on into the second worst team as far as 2020 record standings go in the NFC North. And that is the mighty Minnesota Vikings, who finished seven and nine in 2020. And let's hop into some of the highlights for last year. And I'll start with the absolute dominant season from Mr. Dalvin Cook, the chef. The, the maestro, whatever you want to call him. I could have swore you just called him the shaft. The chef. The chef. Like, he cooks. Yeah. He cooks. I figured you didn't say the shaft. <laughs> I figured you didn't say the shaft. But the shaft or chef, whatever you prefer to call him, he, I mean, anyway. He finished with 1,557 yards and 16 touchdowns and that earned him before the season even started a five-year extension in September I mean he's just a beast I think he'll continue to do this um barring injury because he wasn't banged up for a lot of this year but that was that's always been the big knock on him is that he gets injured 
And you saw that a little bit at the beginning of an NFL career, and you saw it a little bit at Florida State. But as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a monster. He's going to challenge Derrick Henry for the best running back in the league easily. But another exciting piece that I want to mention for the Minnesota Vikings is rookie of the year candidate, Justin Jefferson, going absolutely bonkers in his rookie year. He surpassed Anquan Bolden and Randy Moss, which is very fitting because Randy Moss had his rookie season in Minnesota, but he both passed both those guys for the most receiving yards by a rookie in his first season in the NFL. Do you think, I mean, I don't think there's any reason to doubt that Justin Jefferson does this continually. Ah, really? He's, he screams regression to me. Yeah. I think, I don't, I don't know. I just feel it. And I, I could very well be wrong. It's just something about him. He just screams regression. I have no stats or analytics to back this up. Just, just going off of pure feel. I don't think he will repeat the season that he just had. I don't think he'll repeat 1400 yards either, but I think, I think he perfectly fills the hole that Stefan left there. Like, I think yeah. he'll replace it. Stefan's production that he put up at Minnesota. I don't think he's putting up the kind of numbers that Stefan yeah. did this year anytime soon, but I think he replaces the production that he made in Minnesota. So he will be running alongside Mr. Adam Thielen this year, who also had a pretty respectable 2020, not super exciting, but he finished with 925 yards and 14 touchdowns, which is a whole lot of respectable. So where would you put Thielen and Jefferson kind of like the Thielen jigs, like Thielen digs, I felt like was a great combo and I hate to see yeah. it go, but I mean, like I said, Jefferson, I feel like he's just going to replace Diggs production. So if not more in the future, so where would you put Thielen and Jefferson among the top wide receivers duos in the league? I'm curious. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're better than Julio and AJ Brown, but yeah, let's say, I mean, let's think about, let's brainstorm. Like what I was about to say, I need to, I need to see him in front of me. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham better. I think they'll be better than them. Uh, You got, like you said, Julio and AJ. Just think about the best. Hmm, What other wide receiver do it? Why are we blanking on this? DK and Lockett. Yeah, I feel like they could probably be better than them this year. Thielen didn't give me like the touchdown wise. Yes. But it felt like he really was extremely volatile in his production. So you don't really know what Adam Thielen you're going to get from week to week. He's extremely target dependent as is every receiver, I guess, but he's not going to give you breaking news. You need targets. Yeah. yeah. You you will need, you will need to be throwing the ball to catch the ball. Yes. To record stats Um, as a receiver. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, I think Adam Thielen might even get phased out in Minnesota, just like kind of just falls off after a little bit. Yeah. Adam Thielen's replaceable. You put is that some uh, is that some D three like disrespect there? Is that like oh, just yeah. a stereotype? Oh, yeah. Definitely D three. That was that was a big shot. It all at all Division three students. Yep. <laughs> you don't even have to. You don't have to play a sport if you're listening to this right now. That was directed right at you. You are going to fail Directly. whatever you do in life. Yeah. I like it. I like the kind of message we're sending out here. Yeah. Blitz and buckets. But 
No, dude, I love the story. Like he coming out of a D three school, like I feel like that's the kind of, that's what I was talking about. Like that's the kind of stereotype you have with guys who do really well like that out of a small school. It seems like they just put it up for like a couple of years, you know? Yeah. But there's a reason why they never they weren't a D one talent or they weren't drafted super high. It's because they just don't have elite traits. Right. But fourteen touchdowns, dude. That's yeah. That's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. So I think, I don't know. I think Thielen's going to be pretty solid going forward, especially, especially as, as long as Kirk Cousins is his quarterback. Kirk Cousins loves Adam Thielen like a brother. Hey, hey I've always had the opposite of Adam Thielen on my fantasy team. And whether it be, I mean, I didn't have Justin Jefferson, but I had Stefan for a couple of years and he just loves to throw to Adam Thielen, anybody but his other receivers. Anyway, I just mentioned him. Let's get into it. Captain Kirk Cousins finished with 4,265 yards this year, 35 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. But there was – I felt like – is it just me? It felt like there was a lot of debate this year on whether Kirk Cousins was actually a good quarterback or not. I mean, there was – I don't think he's good. He just – he's just there. He's just, you know, relatively accurate. Makes NFL throws, but never does anything exceptional. He's just there. Right. Yeah. And I agree. he got paid because that was what the market was. But if the market wasn't like that, I you know guess. he's gonna make it he's gonna be making more than twenty million this year. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And he's just like he's meh. He's okay. There's always room to improve from Kirk I would Cousins. say Jared Goff is a meh. Well, I would say Jared Goff is less well, than a meh. Kirk like, Cousins I would is just a better Cousins. Jared Goff. He just yeah. does. He does. He's a little bit more accurate. He just does his job a little bit better, but he can't make those plays for you. He allows his receivers to make the plays for him, and the, that's right. the reason why they've been so successful because they've had the Dalvin Cooks, the Justin Jeffersons, right. the Thielens, the Diggs around him because if they weren't there, he would not be as success, successful. Right. Yeah. I hated – I, I kind of lost my love for Kirk Cousins, but – Damn, did I love him in Washington. Yeah. I loved him, dude. I thought he was the next. I thought he was our savior. I did. But I ended up going to Minnesota. But that brings me to my question. Do you think that Kirk is the quarterback of the future in Minnesota? Because it feels like Minnesota, for a large part, is moving towards winning now. Like, I feel like they're building a team that could win. What would you and call the future? Dalvin Cook's the future. Justin Jefferson's the future. But I'm saying, like, what do you think of when you say, is Kirk Cousins the future? How far in the future is the future? That's a good question. Um, I would say, do you think do you think he gets re-signed? He's only got two more years on his deal. No. no. I think by then, I think by then they're ready to bring in Kellen Mond because he is a, he was an extremely raw prospect and he wasn't going to be brought in to start, but when you put him in a situation where he can sit for one to, you know, even two years, he does have a lot of high upside because he's got a big arm. And if he can adjust to the NFL, then I think he will be their starter moving forward. And that could, you know, be a prop or that could be very good for them. With a hot you know, take. Yeah. I, I just don't think that Kirk Cousins has anything to where you want to be like, okay, yeah, we're definitely yeah. going to re-sign him. Especially when you've got a, when you got a high upside guy. 
yeah. backing him up. I don't know. I what I meant about the hot take is I feel like Kellen Mond being the starter of the Vikings in two years is a hot take. But I mean, it it, it definitely could end up being wrong, and he could just flame out and not ever materialize with the way this team is built i don't think they put in kellen on be like hey we want you to be the starting quarterback of our team that is built to win right now yeah but do you want to pay kirk cousins another hundred million dollar contract no i don't think they'll bring back kirk cousins no because some other needy team will pay him exactly like 20 million dollars again but i don't and they dealt with that weird like carousel of like all right we're gonna bring in this guy and we're gonna bring in this like they had bridgewater for a little bit and then they had uh case keenum and it was just like these guys are never going to win you a super bowl and then they did that they got Kirk cousins and he was just a better a little bit di- i mean he's never going to win you a super bowl but he was just he was consistent. a better version of case you, you knew was. what you were going to get and you knew that we don't have to go look for another quarterback next offseason because we're signing right. this guy right but kellen mond if he works out can be that guy that can win you you know playoff games and stuff like that Kirk cousins just isn't that guy right Right. All right. Solid. I like to talk there, but let's keep going. Another 2020 highlight I want to throw in there. They were bottom de- bottom 10 defense in the league, but I mean, they're bottom 10 defense. That's not super solid, but they have a really, really solid offense to back that up. So let's get into the free agency and off season moves for the Vikings. And I'll start on the notable losses side. They lost Kyle Rudolph. Tight end goes to New York Giants on a two-year, $12 million deal. I hate to see Kyle Rudolph leave Minnesota. He was there forever. He was the staple in Minnesota. He's been through it all. But, you know, veteran tight ends have the tendency to go off to other teams. So it's sad to see. But also Anthony Harris, free safety, ended up going to Philadelphia on a one-year, $4 million deal. But on the notable ad side, you got – they did bring in some pieces to try and help that bottom 10 defense in the league last year. They brought in Dalvin Tomlinson, defensive tackle out of New York. Two years, $21 million. And they brought in Pat Pete on a one-year, $8 million deal, cornerback out of Arizona. What do you think of the Pat Pete signing? you think it, – It's okay. He's better than what they have, but he's not going to be – he's not going to, you know, have like a – Pro Bowl season or anything, he'll just be okay. He's just he's old. It's right, kind of hard right. for him to contribute. Yeah, I saw something the other day that Justin Jefferson was specifically requesting that he go up against Pat Pete every time in practice. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah. I'd love to see that. But they also added Sheldon Richardson, defensive tackle out of Cleveland, on a one-year, three-point-six million-dollar deal, and they brought in Bashad Breeland cornerback out of Kansas City also used to play for the Washington football team and he signed a one-year three million dollar deal so all their offseason ads were in an attempt to make the defense better and we'll see in the draft with the number 23 pick from the New York Jets they drafted Christian Darisol offensive tackle out of Votek who we've mentioned multiple times on this podcast he was the second best offensive tackle in the draft, according to Mel Kuyper. And what are your thoughts, Jaden, on that? Uh, I think it was probably, outside of maybe Justin Fields, who we'll talk about in a second, probably the best pick of the first round. He was a guy that was looked at as a top 
I mean, he's as high as a top 12 prospect, but probably was looking towards like 15. And he slides all the way down to the Vikings after they trade down with the Jets to get down to 23. And they still get their guy while acquiring assets. I think it was a great move where, you know, they could have taken him at 14 and no one would have batted an eye. Right. And you get him at 23. Great pick, great value at a huge need. Perfect. Right. And with their next pick in the third round, like we mentioned before, they ended up going Callum Mond, quarterback at the Texas A&M. And it's not that I'm a Callum Mond hater. I just – he's there's a lot of college quarterbacks that look exactly like Callum Mond did last year and don't pan out because they just aren't built for it. They aren't built like – he just doesn't have that great of a tool set for a quarterback. I don't know. I don't know. I just – Feel kind of sketchy about Kalamon, but he was a huge name in Texas A&M, and I always have a soft spot in my heart for big college quarterbacks at big name schools. So shout out Kalamon. With that, let's get into the ceiling and floor for the Minnesota Vikings. What you got? Uh, floor seven wins, just because you know so things you happen. They Kirk most Huggins. certainly will improve upon next year. Or, improve upon what they did last year yeah why is that i just i don't know their their offense has too many weapons for them not to be a seven win team right like if you have if you have two out of those three guys you're like okay we have a solid chance to win you know six ish games you have three Mm -hmm. of those guys with an with an all right quarterback like obviously he's not going to give you anything amazing but he's going to get the ball to those guys and let them do their work, which is, you know, the best way to utilize them. There's no way they win less than seven wins unless something catastrophic happens to one of those three guys. Right. Um, Ceiling probably 12, 12 wins, 12, 13. Cause yeah, I mean, those are dynamite guys that can win you games. Totally. Yeah, no, they have the defense can just just do good enough. They don't have the quarterback for it, but they have the weapons to look like the best offense in the league. You know, like you put a different quarterback at the helm. I but I don't. The only thing that I am a little sketchy about is the line. The line's not great either. Right, but Alvin Cook seems to make it happen. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. But um. With a great running back like Dalvin Cook, I don't feel like you need a all-pro quarterback to like an, a game changer. Like I feel like with a guy like Dalvin, you just need the Ryan Tannehill type, and that seems to be working great for Tennessee. You know, yeah. so I agree with you. I really do think that it'll be hard for Minnesota to finish worse than they did last year. Like I just don't it doesn't really make any sense to me. Like this team is a lot maybe less on the defensive side, but they're built a lot like the team that beat New Orleans in the playoffs. It's funny. It's funny you bring up Tannehill because when you actually break it down positionally, they're a lot like the Titans, you know, average quarterback, great running back, great two receivers, tight ends, lines okay, and an average defense. Right. No, I agree. And it seems to be working out great for Tennessee. So I don't see how – Get right. it going. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree. I feel like their floor is what they had last year, seven wins, and maybe 
maybe with the extra game this year, the floor is eight wins, I'll say. I'll give them an extra, some extra credit. But yeah, 13 wins, I think, is the floor. I think, they'd be, I think they could be great. I think they could be great. But all right. Well, let's just move on to some the other teams in the NFC North. And we'll start with the Chicago Bears who finished with a average, exactly average season of eight and eight. And let's get into some of the 2020 highlights for them. And number one, the quarterback situation in Chicago, always a major headline. And I feel like it has been for the past two or three years. These decades, two or three decades. They've. Yeah, Yeah, no, totally. I think that's a solid statement there. I mean, quarterbacks in Chicago, they just can't seem to figure it out. Mitchell Trubisky played 10 games this year, 2,000 yards, 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And did did Trubisky start the year? I can't remember. I feel like he did. I feel like he did too. And then they sat him and they put in Nick Foles, who put up very similar numbers to Trubisky. I mean, it's just – it was terrible. It was average. Like I really and I really thought that Nick Foles might be the answer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I just wanted to be giddy. I I really like Nick Foles. Like I I want him to resurge, but puts up really measly numbers in Chicago. So is Mitchell, and that ended Mitchell Trubisky's time in Chicago. He's no longer there. But Nick Foles, surprisingly, is still on the roster in Chicago. Believe it or not. He'll get. And, I don't think. I don't think he makes. Yeah, the team. Get, I was gonna get. ask you. Do you think Foles still has a trade market? Because I was looking, and no. there was, there are rumors for Nick Foles trades, but I was like, does this guy really still have a trade market? <laughs> like, not, not really. Not anything like maybe like a sixth or seventh round pick, but the right. money that teams would have to take to bring him on, just cut him. Yeah. Right. But let's get into the wide receiver core this past season. Allen Robinson, one of the most talented receivers in the NFL, finished with over 100 catches, over 1,000 yards, and six touchdowns. But more notably, he did not sign an extension by the deadline. And that was a big talking point, whether or not Allen Robinson was going to stick it out with Chicago and sign an extension, but he didn't sign that extension. He is a free agent now after this coming year. So we'll see. Apparently, there was no talks at all between – Allen Robinson and the team during that year. So, or during the period where they were supposed to be talking about a contract extension. So I want to ask you, do you think Allen Robinson gets traded this year? I know it's not as similar as easy as like an NBA trade where it's like all one year on your deal, you want to trade him off or something, but like, do you think Allen Robinson gets traded this year? I think there's a high chance. I did. I doubt it just because any team like it would probably be done around the deadline because you would, you know, either be pushing for playoffs and which you'd keep him or, you know, you're like, say they're two and six or something like that. And that maybe look to him, but what are you going to get for eight, you know, at the very well nine now, because the weird game thing that they changed for some reason, <laughs> um, when you're getting nine games of a receiver, how much is that worth? How, I mean, that receiver is Allen Robinson, but how much is that worth? Especially if he has an agenda to, you know, say he wants to go somewhere that isn't your team. Like, right. 
Do you think it's yeah, I think it's worth a fourth rounder though? Like if somebody were trying to dish out a fourth rounder for Allen Robinson, I feel like that yeah. could happen. Maybe. But like like I was saying earlier, trades don't happen in the way that they do in the other sports, obviously, that they do yeah. in the NFL. But I thought it was interesting, you know, in the final year of his deal. Talented yeah. wide receiver stuck in Chicago. So we'll see. But you also got Darnell Mooney there and Anthony Miller, who were two pretty solid guys. They should flash this this year, but nothing as significant as Al Robinson. So more importantly, though, there were signs of life from Mr. David Montgomery this year, who was highly touted out of Michigan State, one of the best running backs in his class. And people really thought a lot of him. And Chicago gave him the work. And I believe he was in the league, I think, it was last year obviously wasn't his rookie year, but I feel like the year before that was. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. But they gave him the work that year, and he just couldn't really produce a whole ton. But this year, in the first half of the year, kind of subtle, kind of subtle, but really turned it on the second half of the year. He ended up with over 200 carries, 1,070 yards, and eight touchdowns. So good to see that from David Montgomery. And Chicago possibly has the running back of the future there. And it's not breaking news that Chicago has an elite defense because that is always how Chicago will be built. They were top 15 defense in 2020. They keep all the notable guys, Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Jackson. Like, you got to like that defense going into next year. But I want to talk a little bit about Matt Nagy. So he's 28 and 20 in his three years with the Bears, and he's got two playoff appearances. But it just seemed like they had a good enough team. I mean, they didn't have the quarterback, I guess, but – it feels like they had a good enough team to go better than eight and eight. I know they went to the playoffs, but I really do question how good of a coach Matt Nagy is. How much do you think it was his fault and how much do you think it was the team? I think it was, I mean, I quite honestly, I think it was mostly just the quarterback play. I think, yeah. you know, if Justin Fields turns out to be good, which, you know, we'll wait to see. And one thing that was said that I thought was interesting was Nagy said that he will not, push fields in to save his job more or less and he's all about what's doing what's in the best interest of the bears and if that's setting justin fields for a season then that's what he'll do even if that means his job how much truth there is to that we'll see you know because once yeah, we'll see the once push once push comes to shove and your job right. actually is on the line how much yeah. of that are you going to stick to but no, it's easy to say now you know yeah but I think it was just mostly the quarterback play. If Justin Fields comes in and works out like, and he's actually good. And then the team is still struggling. Then maybe you, you know, point the finger at Nagy, but Mitchell Trubisky is not a good quarterback. Nick Foles is not a good quarterback. But so he's Kane. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> at least, you know, at least, you know, yeah, I know, but it's sad, you know, Nick Foles for life. But right. Anyway, so let's hop into some of the free agency offseason stuff for the Chicago Bears. And on the notable losses side, they ended up losing Roy Robertson Harris. Defensive tackle ends up going to Jacksonville on a three-year deal. And more notably, they lost Kyle Fuller. Actually, they cut him. Cornerback, one of the staples in Chicago and one of the staples on that defense for a very long time. This came as a shock to me. Did it come to a shock to you? 
Yeah, I think it was def. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was money was what it came down to, yeah, and that's was. why they cut him because he is like a former All Pro corner, and he's not too far removed from that. So I don't. And you have a pretty big need at corner, especially now. Right. That's the main weakness outside of quarterback of this team is your lack of corner, and that could hold them back from having that elite defense that they're so used to having and they're so right. used to being able to lean on. So that could be a problem for them. Yeah. And their secondary, the safeties really like, I really like Eddie Jackson a lot. I think he's really good, but the secondary has never been a super strength for the bears, but a guy like losing a guy like Kyle Fuller, like that was your lock lockdown guy. And on a, an elite defense, you need a lockdown guy at corner. So yeah, I think that'll hurt them for sure. But he ends up going to Denver on a one-year, $9 million deal. And as I mentioned earlier, they end up parting ways with Mitchell Trubisky. He ends up going to Buffalo. On the notable ad side, we have the ginger alumnus, the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton, quarterback from Dallas this past year. One year, $10 million in Chicago now. How many games do you give Mr. Andy Dalton before he loses his starting job? That's a tough one because I don't really know. I, I, I can't give you because he does just enough a lot of times to give you a chance to win. But how long of them just having a chance to win do you give before you're like, okay, we want to give the new exciting car. Yeah. We want to give it a spin, you know? Right. So I think it'll happen early. I think, I mean, Chicago it I think Chicago's fan base, yeah. I think Chicago's fan base is so like, so toxic. Like not toxic. I feel like I I like their fan base, but I feel like they'll be so up in arms if Dalton is really terrible about putting Fields in that I'll just get too much, especially in a contract year for Nagy. So I don't think any Dalton sticks in there long. Maybe maybe six or seven games, but yeah. And Andy Dalton. Solid, solid quarterback, but he's a backup now. He's a backup. Yeah. But the other notable ads for Chicago, they bring in Marquise Goodwin, wide receiver out of San Francisco. They bring Demir Bird, who I thought was interesting, wide receiver out of New England, had a pretty decent year last year. And they brought in Damian Williams, running back from Kansas City, who a lot of people forget about. But because he opted out after he won – or he didn't win the Super Bowl MVP, but a lot of people said he should have. He was the hero Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54. And he sat out the 2020 season, and a lot of people forgot about him. Yeah. So, and he signed a one-year, $1 million deal. So, I thought it was interesting that he ends up going to Chicago, but I see him sitting behind David Montgomery. So And Cohen. So Yeah. Yep. I don't think Cohen will get a lot of the groundwork. I think Cohen will get a lot of Yeah, well, yeah, but just as far as depth chart goes, it's going to be hard for him to get on the field. Right. Yep. And in the draft, as we mentioned before, we don't have to dive too much into it. Number 11 pick, they go with Justin Fields, quarterback out of Ohio State. And I'll just say this. I feel like Justin Fields is the winner type. I feel like he's just – and I don't want to compare him to Deshaun Watson, especially with everything that's gone on, but I see a lot of Deshaun Watson in his game. Like, I yeah. feel like he's just a winner. And guys yeah. like he that does well. what I've uh, 
what I've seen with Justin Fields. He does struggle a little bit with the first read problems that have plagued Jalen Hurts. I mean, even Drew Locke. Um, and then there's obviously the argument that he, you know, I'll show you seven throws where he does go past his first read, and then I'll show you 10 throws where he doesn't. So, you know, this is something that can obviously be fixed. It's not something like a weak arm or something that he can't really, that he'll have a hard time improving. It's just a matter of, does he have the coaching there? Yeah. Does he have the coaching there to develop him and, you know, get rid of those bad habits that he has. And if he, if he can get rid of those habits, I do think he has, you know, almost limitless potential to be really good there. No, I think you have a great point because Chicago historically recently does not do that great with developing quarterbacks, top first round quarterbacks. Look at Mitchell Trubisky. That's all you got to say there. So it'll be interesting to see if they can rewrite the history books with Justin Fields, but ceiling floor, Chicago bears, what you got? Uh, Ceiling could be like six because the pass rush that they have there and that pass rush, mostly just being Khalil Mack, um, you know, wins them games just purely off that alone. And Justin Fields and or Andy Dalton are still an upgrade over Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, yeah, 100%. Technically, you would think, you know, they do get better, but floor, I'd probably say six to seven wins. Ceiling, you know, if Justin Field comes in and pops, 12 12 wins, I think they could really have a good season. but. But he'd have to come in and pop and show like a Herbert style of like, no. Really? I think if he just has like a decent year. No no bumps in the road of like, because I mean, when you're a rookie, you come in, you're obviously, there's going to be a learning curve there. Right. And Herbert didn't really experience that much at all. And if Fields has that type of season like Herbert had, which is a lot to ask, but they could, they could win. 12 games, depending on what happens with the Aaron Rodgers situation, they could win that division. Mm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, that was the big debate last year. Like, all they needed was a quarterback. And I feel like now they have that quarterback in theory. And like you said, Andy Dalton and Justin Fields are better than Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. So I like them a lot this year. I think this, I think the floor, like, it's hard to get it. I would say eight. I would say the floor is eight because they finished eight and eight. And I don't really see them finishing worse with better quarterback play. And um, I think the ceiling, you're right. 12 wins. I think it's a good team just waiting for a quarterback. So. All right. So now let's dive into the best team in this division. And that is the green Bay Packers. And at the time of this recording, we had pre-recorded, a Packers recap of the season and Aaron Rodgers stuff before and at the time of recording the other teams. But then we waited a few days and saw a outpouring of Aaron Rodgers news. And at the time we were recording the other teams, we didn't know what was going to happen with A-Rod. So it was all speculation, but now we have it all official. So let's dive into it, shall we? Packers, obviously 13 and three last year, lost NFC championship to the Bucks in route to their Super Bowl win. But let's get into the Aaron Rodgers talk off the rip. So 
as many of you know, Aaron Rodgers had an MVP season last year. He had more than 4,000 yards. He had 48 touchdowns, five interceptions, and won the MVP. And then the season ends. And then on draft day, Adam Schefter reports that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. And there was speculation that he might get traded on draft day, but that didn't happen. And there was a lot of trade speculation after that. And none of it came to fruition. And then Aaron Rodgers went on his vacation to Hawaii with his girlfriend and with the, the new guy from Top Gun. I don't even remember his name, but he went on a wild vacation to Hawaii. He was hosting Jeopardy. He ended up going on the match part two with, I think it was, uh, what's the guy's name? Not a big yeah. Oh, that sounds Bryson right. De, uh, Bryson DeChambeau. That yeah, was, that's who it was. Yeah. And he goes on all that. And from all that, I thought he was leaning towards retirement. But a couple days ago, out of the blue, and there had been like some Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, people wouldn't be talking Aaron Rodgers because training camp, which opened today as we are recording this right now. There was a lot of lead up talking about Aaron Rodgers, but really nobody knew what was going to happen. But Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers both posted on their Instagram stories a picture of Scotty and MJ. And a lot of people were like, is this like a last dance kind of call out sort of thing? And sure enough, shortly after that, it became official that Aaron Rodgers was coming back for at least one more year in Green Bay. And then two days after that, maybe a day. I can't remember the timeline exactly, but training camp was today and reported and he had a lot to say at training camp. You want to, you want to dive into some of that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I watched it cause I got a tweet note cause I've got tweet notifications on from Schefter and I saw, he said like Aaron Rodgers unfiltered live on sports center right now. So I happened to be in the kitchen where I have cable and just turn it on. And like the way he's talked, because Rogers is so such a mellow guy. Like it sounds like he's not even saying anything, but everything he said was like just coming at the Packers. But he said it in the most mellow and like non, most Aaron Rodgers way. Yeah, the most possible. Aaron Rodgers way ever. Like he was just like, well, there was guys that you know I wanted to bring back, and he was just saying it just so <laughs> like calmly, right? Almost like he was complimenting them because he doesn't give two shits problems. anymore, man. Yeah. He does not give two shits anymore. So, and, th- and that's why I love him. But he went on and saying how, you know, there were a lot of guys that in the past he thought could have been brought back. And he listed off Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, James Jones, John Kuhn, Charles Woodson, Julius Peppers, Micah Hyde. And he was saying they're all, you know, high character guys that he thought the Packers off front office didn't do enough to bring back. And, you know, ultimately they don't bring those guys back and, it might be the reason why Aaron Rodgers only has one ring. And I, he knows that and right. he, he resents the Packers front office for that. So I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised that he came back. Honestly, I, I didn't think it was going to, I thought he was just going to like sit back and just be silent until something happened. I didn't think until he would he retire though. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think he would retire that before this year though. I think he would have just ended up playing somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Or just sat out or something. But now uh, what happened yesterday was, you know, they gave him the contract where I guess it gets voided after mm-hmm. next year or after this year where he has control over his own destiny, whether he wants to get traded or retire or whatever. 
And then Devontae Adams was interviewed today, asked about, you know, are you willing to take a pay cut to get this done this year? And he said that uh, he said he's there's no point. He said, what other job do you go to and ask for less than you're worth? So you can tell he, he wants to be the highest paid receiver in the league. And I think he will be, if not for the Packers, for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a perfect segue into some of our Devontae Adams talk, who last year had a seriously dominant year. He had almost 1,400 yards receiving, 18 touchdowns. And in a player's poll recently, they all named him as the number one wide receiver in the league among the players, which is pretty pretty impressive and pretty good fantasy guy too right exactly and there was a oh my god i didn't even realize i god i didn't even realize i was giving you credits you <laughs> bastard <laughs> god damn it anyway Devonte obviously had a great year last year but with aaron not coming back he really seemed super negative like he didn't want to play if aaron wasn't going to play and as soon as Aaron announced that he was coming back, the Packers dive back right back into contract negotiations with Devontae. But I think he's got this mo- like this mojo right now that he knows that Aaron's going to leave after this year. So yeah. well, they definitely to say you know? they've had that conversation internally, and I don't know if I don't know what reason Devontae Adams would want to stay when Rodgers is gone. You know, Jordan Love does seem like a promising prospect, but he's, you know, Devontae Adams is like 28. By the time Jordan Love begins to, you know, be able to make them make a push for the playoffs, Devontae Adams is going to be past his prime. Right. So why, why waste your prime in Green Bay? You could go follow Aaron Rodgers to wherever he goes after this season. Go get a max contract there if they've got the money. Right. Who, who do you have in mind that has that money, Jaden? Oh, oh, it's a, I think black, uh, black, yeah, black, black and, and yellow. Black, yeah. Black and yellow. Big, huge, huge need at quarterback. Huge need at quarterback after this the, season. It's like uh, a, it's an S is it like the spiders or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I think it's a, they, they play in Pennsylvania something like that. Yeah. Anyway, you guys can figure it out. Try it's to the figure Sixers. Out it's, the, it's the Sixers. It's the Sixers. That's right. The Sixers. You got it. You nailed it. Yeah, but sixty-five. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers to the Sixers. Anyway, continue. (laughs) Yes, but sixty-five million dollars in cap space next year. Uh, Big hole at quarterback. We do got to bring back T.J. Watts. That number is going to look closer to like forty million. But give it all to Aaron Rodgers if he has any interest at all because he's probably one of my favorite players ever. And if I could see him like kind of ride his career out in Pittsburgh, I can die happy. But there you go. realistic non-biased options probably look like Denver, San Francisco. No, not San Francisco anymore because of Lance. But I remember that was like a huge thing. Like right. before the draft, that's where everybody thought he was going, mm-hmm. was they were going to trade the third pick to Green Bay. There's been uh, like you've heard stuff about the Jets, but they already dra- they drafted quarterback. So I don't know. It's it, it's up in the air. You just don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to watch where he goes. So I can't wait. I wanted to mention though, in that interview that he was talking about all the players that he lost, he specifically said that the he's like in quotes he said that the front office either 
did not extend a contract to these guys or they lowballed them. Literally, he said lowballed at the conference, at the press conference. Like, absolutely shitting on the front office. Like, well, he, that's Aaron Rodgers even, for you. He said that he's, you know, told told the front office, he was like, you know, I can come out and try and pitch to some of these guys so we can get these free agents or, you know, try and talk to these guys about Coming a trade here. to get here. Mm. And they just told him off. Right. It's it's. I remember, I'm pretty sure I said this when we recorded this the last time, but it's because they don't have an owner. Nobody can step in right. to the GM and say, hey, this is not happening. Mm. I'm, I'm not letting this happen. So their GM has the ultimate say over any football decision so whatever he says goes and if you know if he doesn't want to bring back somebody if he doesn't want to bring somebody in or you know if he doesn't want to pay this guy and they don't want to go into the you know up over the cap they won't and that's why they've only had that's why Aaron Rodgers only has one ring exactly it's a mishandled organization by far no question no question I didn't realize that until recently but now that you put all the tea leaves together it's like oh Packers are not a good organization. <laughs> so anyway, let's move in. Let's move on to some of the lesser information, but still, still pretty cool. Let's hop into some of the more 2020 highlights. Aaron Jones, another solid season. He finished with more than 200 carries, more than a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. He also was a factor in the receiving game, almost catching 50 passes and this earned him a four-year, $48 million contract in the offseason. So they, they might have picked the wrong guy to give the money to, but somebody is going to be in Green Bay for the foreseeable future. So yeah. also, you got A.J. Dillon in the backfield, who had a pretty promising year last year and will continue to, I guess, rise up in the ranks now that Jamal Williams is gone. And as we mentioned earlier, went to the Lions. So. They also have a top 10 defense in 2020. The notables on that defense, you got Jair Alexander, you got Darnell Savage, Marilyn Boy, he at Terp, shout out. You got Zadarius Smith, who finished with more than 12 and a half sacks, tied for fourth the NFL. So let's dive into some of the free agency and offseason stuff and recap. Notable losses, and I can't imagine Aaron was too happy about these guys leaving either, especially his center, Mr. Corey Lindsley headed to the chargers. And I can't imagine, I was surprised that he didn't mention Lindsley's name. In I want to know, I want to, I want to look this up of how many players were moved to a different team after a first team all pro season. How many times has that happened in NFL history? It can't be too many because when no. a guy has a first team all pro season, that guy usually gets brought back regardless of what it, costs not in green bay not when he's wearing the uh the the green and gold baby <laughs> goddamn cheese heads man jeez i feel bad because like my my whole my whole mom's side of the family is from green bay and like they're just like i keep asking them about this and they think that like aaron Rodgers is some like punk and i'm like uh that is the boomer in you guys <laughs> that is the boomer the the old egotistical maniac Aaron Rodgers that just wants that just wants a number two yeah. receiver exactly the guy's not Aaron or the guy's not Alex Rodriguez like he's not like lighting up the tabloids all the time no. he, he's just a good quarterback who wants to want some help gosh sending the national guard sad man. 
It is. Also on the notable losses side, as I mentioned earlier, they lost their backup running back, Jamal Williams, ended up going to Detroit. And they lost Christian Kirksey, the linebacker who ends up going to Houston. On the notable ad side, there's not much to talk about, but more recently, more recently, as in the last two days recently, which is quite convenient that we're recording this, Randall Cobb is headed to Green Bay, back to Green Bay, uh, Green Bay in a trade with Houston for a six-round pick. I think that's pretty cool, man. Honestly, I have a Randall Cobb jersey. I have a Randall Cobb Green Bay jersey because he was a dog back then. <laughs> Putting it all on the table. I'm going to be honest. I have a Randall Cobb be jersey. Honest. No shame. I wanted – I hit it after he was not – he was terrible for a while. But, hey, man, Aaron wanted him back, and he got him. He got him. This was definitely an Aaron move. He definitely called. He definitely called Houston and was like, "Hey, we'll give you a six-round pick for Grant." Yeah, we're gonna get this done. Yeah, exactly. And who's gonna turn Aaron Rodgers down on the phone yeah. for a six-round pick? Brian go to Coons. In the draft this year, the Packers with the number twenty-nine pick in the first round, they end up going with the cornerback out of Georgia, Eric Stokes. And according to Mel Kiper, he was not a top ten defensive back. What are your thoughts? Uh, eh, not not the greatest selection. He's a tree of a corner. He's just tall and fast. It's not really that good. Asante Samuel was still on the board, and they took an athlete. It took a project when you're trying to win a championship, and Aaron Rodgers now very small championship window. Not not what not what I would have done. Not what a lot of Packers fans would have done. Not what a lot of experts would have done. But welcome to Green Bay. Welcome to Green Bay, indeed. I was just about to say that. In the second round, they end up going with Josh Myers, center out of Ohio State, which was also a debatable pick, but it was Kuyper's fourth best center in the draft. And if anybody could turn a mediocre offensive lineman into a pretty solid one, it's Green Bay. So in the third round, they end up going with Amari Rogers, wide receiver out of Clemson. Pretty exciting guy. And I saw something today. Um, Amari Rogers' dad was Randall Cobb's is Aaron uh, Rodgers hmm? is Aaron Rodgers exactly yep <laughs> Amari Rodgers dad is Aaron Rodgers yeah and so is Randall Cobb's and so is the rest of the team except yeah. Devontae they're brothers <laughs> on a serious note Amari Rodgers dad was the receiving coach for Randall Cobb at Kentucky so Amari Rodgers came out and said today that Randall Cobb is like a brother to him so like an older brother. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I was going to say that's pretty cool. Yeah. So ceiling and floor for the Green Bay Packers. Let's dive into it. You can go first. I'll let you have the reins. Um, well, now with confirmation of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams returning for sure. Ceiling, probably 14, 15 wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's still a pretty good team. They only lost realistically one guy. Right. They didn't gain anybody, but they lost one. Um, floor, I can't see them losing. I can't see them winning less than 10 games. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Like, I, I, I love, and I love Aaron Rodgers, but last year was like not an outlier, but that's about as good as it gets as far right. as Aaron Rodgers goes. So is dude, that going to be? I think repeatable? he might win MVP again this year. I, I, dude, I'd love to see it. I would love to. I see really it. think he's just like 
in a different zone right now, especially like last dance type vibes. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Like I really think, and I saw people coming out and saying like, Oh, like I think it was Jordan's trainer actually that came out and said, yeah, you guys didn't win any championships. Like it, it doesn't apply. I was like, dude, like Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers are arguably the best quarterback wide receiver duo that this league has seen in a while. So yeah. it's kind of last dance vibey, and I think they deserve that title. So yeah. get off of them, bro. What, what's Jordan's trainer getting in the news for anyway, bro? God, what has he ever done? <laughs> He's only been in a famous documentary and helped the best athlete, arguably of all time. May, yeah, made made great. the greatest athlete of all time as strong and as athletic as he was. And psh, whatever, whatever. Stay out of the news, bro. Go train somebody else. God, whatever. All right. Well, I think that just about covers the Packers talk. So we will start getting out. I've already decided on the episode title for this. Uh, I mean, it might alter a little bit, but I think it's going to be we're back dot, dot, dot again. We're going to start dot, dot, getting these out a little bit. With, yeah. Yeah, we're going to start getting these out a lot sooner. And I promise on my mama this time. Okay, guys, I promise. promise. Knowing that you're leaving for college in two weeks. But when I get to college, I'm in a different zone. Like, I'm always working, like, on my computer. So, I'll be in the mood, I feel like. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we will catch you very soon. Adios, amigos.